Here is part two of our Foundations of Godly Parenting series, 10 Keys to Successful Parenting with Bruce and Robin Williams. Please excuse us as we accidentally started the recording a little late. Point number one, walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 22 to 23. Which of the nine do you need to have in order to have be successful parents? Let's read it together. With the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, as you think about those nine, which of the nine do you think you need to have in order to be a great parent? Obviously, we can't interact right now, but if you're thinking like me, you're thinking, I need all nine of them to be the kind of parent that God wants me to be. And that really is true. I think that the, the, there's not a single one of these nine that you can leave out uh, of your life and be a successful parent. And so what we're going to do here tonight with the, res, the other nine keys is it's going to kind of be baptized with these nine fruit that he talks about here in Galatians chapter 5. Because when you think about it, the, the fruit of love, which is uh, unconditional love, uh, agape love, it's not conditioned on how your children love you, and you're still going to love them regardless. Or the joy where there's a consistent positive atmosphere. Or peace where you're not anxious and uptight. Or patience where you're, you're really striving to be patient and Probably this is one of the ones that I had to work on the most as a, as a dad in my life is to be patient, to understand that it takes time for children to grow and to mature and, and uh, become the kind of men and, and women that God wants them to be. Kindness. Uh, some of us are naturally kind and others of us are kind of mean by spirit. And so we've got to have the kindness or the goodness where it's a personal righteousness where your children know you probably better than anybody else in the world. They see you at your worst as well as at your best. Uh, faithfulness, where your spirituality be, can be counted on. Your gentleness, how do you treat them? Are you gentle in, in your correction? And self-control, or do you allow your anger to overtake you? So we need all nine, right? So that's number one, walking in the spirit. Number two, uh, we've got to work together as a team. In John chapter 17, right before Jesus left this earth, he uh, had a prayer with his disciples. And uh, when he was praying to God, here's something that Jesus said uh, in chapter uh, 17, verse 20. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's praying for the disciples now, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And so Jesus's prayer is that we all are as united as Jesus and God were. You know, uh, I think, one of the things that Robin and I learned very quickly as parents is that if we're not united, our kids know it. 
and they know how to work mom or work dad. And, and, and it, rather than in YouTube being uh, a combined force for good, they can actually worm their way in and pit you against each other. And I know Robert and I, there were times as we were raising our children when we actually disagreed about what needed to be said or what needed to be done in a certain uh, particular role of our parenting. And uh, it, it required the two of us first to get on the same page, that we make sure that she and I are united before we come in for a landing on whatever it is that the kids want us to do or, or we're asking to do. And I can't tell you how important that is. Uh, there were times where I felt very strongly about something and Robin didn't, or she felt very strongly about something and I didn't. But it was so important in those situations that we get ourselves together, that we have our talks in the other room so that we could come out of this united rather than divided. And uh, the father needs to be the spiritual leader. Now that doesn't mean that the, the mother isn't a spiritual leader of the family also, but it needs to be the kind of situation where the, the father is taking the initiative uh, in, in leading the family spiritually. Too many families are led by the mother and not the father. And that's not, that's not what God really desires. Now, again, I'm not saying that it all falls on the father, but it should at least the initiative of it. Whereas too many times the mother is the one who's wanting to uh, have a devotional or the mother is the one who's wanting to do some things spiritually. And, uh, and the father is just kind of tagging along just nonchalantly. That, that, that doesn't spell a victory for a family. They've got to see the father caring about spiritual things. And then the mother, of course, is the support as well as an additional uh, uh, leader uh, spiritually. Okay, uh, so number two, or three, sorry, is resolve all conflicts. And I just wanna say the fruits of the spirit are an easy way for me to remember what I need to teach my kids. Um, those things, and some of those are going to be part of each of these points to see where we can use, because we have the fruit of the spirit, we can use the spirit helping us in these areas to be able to help our children have them. Um, now, of course, our kids aren't disciples and they don't have the power of the spirit in them to carry out these uh, uh, qualities, but we can train them and help them to want them and realize that it really is God that enables us as people to have the fruit of the spirit and to have the characteristics that are really most important in life, which I think all of these are. So number three is resolve all conflicts. In Matthew 5, 23, it says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In verse 25, settle matters quickly. This is really an important um, key if you want peace in your house. You know, do you want peace in the home? We have it from God. 
Do we want it in the home? Well, then we need to resolve conflict. And the reason for that is because every unresolved conflict hardens our heart just a little bit more, a few degrees when they go unresolved. And so when you think about conflicts, don't think about the big thing that they did. You know, they didn't come home on time or they um, didn't pick up their toy. Look at the little things that create conflict. And basically conflict is when you want something and your kids want something else, right? Isn't that usually when the conflict starts? You have one idea, they have another idea. So look at that and say, okay, this means we need to resolve. We need to talk about it. Jason uh, once said, you don't trust me because we had a curfew for him. He says, you don't trust me. We had to talk about that and help him see that it, it's not that I don't trust you. It's that, you know, there are other things that are involved in taking care of you as a son. We need to know where you are and when you're going to be home. So we had a great talk about that. Ashley once said, you need, you don't spend any time with me. You never spend any time with me. <laughs> and we had just been together the night before. And so we had to talk about that and say, but honey, we were together last night. Don't you remember? We did this, this, and this. Sometimes you don't think that those are conflicts, but in reality they are because your kids are going to, if they're not talked about, they're going to rack that up as something that, you know, is negative. And um, it works both ways. It's just not me teaching my kids. It's the kids teaching me. Jason once said we were going somewhere and I had just had a disagreement with Bruce and Jason's like, what's wrong, mom? And I said, nothing. I said, nothing's wrong. Of course, he was a little older and he knew there was something wrong. So I had to first apologize for not telling the truth and then talk to him about what I could share with him about that. But your children are very, very perceptive. And so you want to be able to talk with them about even the little, little conflicts that are there. Um, resolution is not when you get your, your way, it's when you're at peace with the other person. And that can be a good guideline to use when you're trying to have peace and resolution in your home. Because when those things are unresolved, they will create attitudes toward God. And that's what you want to stay away from. You don't want them to have attitudes toward God or you. And, um, you know, these unresolved things, little as they may seem, can do great harm down the road. So try to do that on a daily basis. And uh, I appreciate Robin sharing this because you think about your family. And uh, my guess is almost all of, the, all of your families have somebody you're unresolved with. It may not be your immediate brother, sister, or mother, mother and father, but there are people that are in your family that have not spoken to each other for years. And what's the problem? They didn't learn how in, in real life, in your own family, to resolve things. So this is a critical key. Hardly, uh, maybe one that is one of the most important. Number four is uh, another key, is having fun together. Uh, I love this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter three, where Solomon says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, 
a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, I uh, personally have taken it upon myself over the years to make sure that our family is having fun. Now, usually the dad is generally speaking kind of the one that's, you know, the enforcer, so to speak. He's, he's the one that, you know, is the strongest in the relationship in the family. But even with that being said, in fact, because that's true, I feel I felt like that it was my personal responsibility to make sure that as a family, we knew how to have fun together. Because if everything is intense in your family, the family is not going to be successful. The, the children need to have things in their lives that they've enjoyed doing as they think back over their life. They're not going to think back of all the problems. What they're going to think about is, you know, what is the fun that we had together? A couple of days ago, I had a, uh, a Zoom birthday celebration, and uh, my kids are in Boston, Denver, and in San Diego. And uh, as they were sharing with me uh, in, in my birthday, uh, the question was asked, what, are, what is one of the you know, fun things that you remember about, uh, you know, either gr grandpa or papa and, or, or dad. And uh, they all had things to share. And I was, it was grateful that they had that because it would have been sad, wouldn't it? If, 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 if that question had been asking everybody just going, hmm, I can't really think of anything, you know? You, you, want, you want your children to see you as somebody is, who enjoys life that enjoys being with them and helps them to enjoy being together. And uh, it really is the, the case, I think, with our, our family. We, we love being together. And I do think it's, uh, it's important for us to intentionally create fun times together, whether it be uh, game nights, whether having sports together, physical activity, um, Whenever we get together as a family, we want to make sure that intentionally we're having fun. We're not just sitting around doing nothing. We're not just sitting around vegging out or wrapped up in our phones, but that we're out of ourselves. And I do think that it's really important for the, for the dad to be uh, uh, initiating in that way. Yeah, and uh, it, it was really encouraging. From the oldest to the youngest, at least the youngest that could speak, uh, they all remembered fun times that Bruce had planned. The most recent was our Lake Powell trip, you know, and, and the others were in Big Bear when we went to Big Bear and did tubing and, and uh, you know, things like that, that they all had those memories. And that creates the joy, which is the fruit from the, of the spirit. Uh, number five, uh, one of the keys, the next key is to draw out the heart. In Proverbs 20, verse five, it says the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. 
And I'm sure you've realized this with all your children that each child is different. Each child responds differently. Each child communicates differently. And they, they all have different things in their hearts that need to be drawn out. Um, you know, we say we need to have heart to heart conversations, but probably in reality, we don't have as many as we need to because it takes time to draw out the heart. He says here, you know, the person with wisdom is able to do that, which to me says, I need to rely on God a lot. Before I have a heart to heart with my child, if there's something that <clears throat> I need to know, I need to pray to God first and say, Lord, please give me the, the words that are going to reach his or her heart. And I know what the times that I've tried to do that, things go a lot better. When I just kind of start spouting things off or talking about things uh, without thinking, it doesn't always go so well. It doesn't go the way I want it to go. There was a time when um, Ashley came home, I could tell something was wrong. She went straight to her room and seemed very upset. So I went up, I followed her, knocked on the door. I said, honey, are you okay? She goes, no. I said, well, do you wanna talk? What's wrong? She goes, no, I don't wanna talk. I said, okay. I said, well, I just want you to know, you know, when you're ready, I'm here if you want to talk. And probably within 10 minutes, she came downstairs and said, hey, mom, I need to talk. So, you know, just things like that. Uh, if a child doesn't want to talk right away, that's okay. They've got to get their heart ready. They've got to be ready to do that too, so that you can draw out the right things that are in their heart. But um, with this one, I know for me, it helps me to grow in my gentleness, to rely on God's spirit for gentleness in these areas, because our kids can upset us pretty quickly and pretty easily. Mm. And so in remembering the fruit of the spirit of gentleness, it helps me to be able to think about the things that would best be able to draw out what's really in their heart and get down to the heart of the matter with them. Yeah. Uh, number... Uh, number six, help them to build great friendships in the church. There are two passages I want us to look at. The first one is in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, where Solomon says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffer harm. He says, who we walk with will determine what we're going to be. He says, you walk with the wise, you're going to be wise. You walk with the fools, you're going to be a fool. What, who we hang around with does matter. It matters a lot. And if we don't pay attention and make sure that our children are developing great friendships with the kind of people that have the same values. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 15, verse 33, Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, I think um, in, 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 I know in our family, we had to really make sure we moved a lot, uh, especially with Brooke and Jason. We moved every couple of years and they had to start over with uh, developing friendships. And it wasn't always easy. But it, it was something that Robin and I felt very keenly was very important. And that is that we make sure that we do everything we can to facilitate 
them building great friendships with other kids their own age in the church. And so we would facilitate outings together, maybe with another family. And uh, we'd either have a family night together or we'd have uh, something that we would do with another family on family night. Uh, we would uh, even go on vacation sometimes together with other families. And uh, there, there's so much joy and uh, benefit when your kids are hanging around other kids they really are, are being taught the same values as you are. And I can't emphasize this enough because they're gonna build friendships. Your kids are gonna build friendships. Now, do you want it just to be a coincidence who they build friendships around? Or are you going to have intentionality to make sure that they're around the people that you want them to have uh, uh, be influenced by and that you want them to influence? Um, facilitate sleepovers, uh, campouts, all kinds of things that we can do with other families in the church. I can't emphasize this enough. This is so important. And you, you, we think back over the, the our, our, each of our kids with Brooke, with Jason and Ashley, they all required, it all required us making sure that it was happening. Not just kind of leaving it up to them to set, to set something up. That, but we as parents would talk about it. And Robin would talk with the other moms and, hey, what do you think about so-and-so coming over? Or, uh, or uh, let's doing something together. Uh, it, it really make, uh, made a huge difference. And I think it especially made a difference in Ashley because she was 10 years younger than Brooke. And so in a sense, uh, after her eighth birthday, uh, she had no other children in the house. And so we needed to create things for her, her to be with other kids so that she didn't feel like, you know, I'm by myself. And so let me encourage you to really make sure that you do that. Amen. Uh, number seven, invest in, the, in your child's kingdom opportunities. This kind of goes along with the other one, but I, I think when you, when you read Matthew 6, 33, and he tells us, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's, it's something that we need to help our children uh, understand first and foremost as they're growing up because it will produce a faithfulness in them. Uh, the, the opportunities they have in the kingdom, like Bruce was talking about, being with other um, children of, of parents who are disciples, are really great. We have some great ones. Now, I know all kids are different and they may not all like the kind of events that we have, but as parents, if we want to create faithfulness in our children and help them to, to know God, as Jesus says here, in a way that their needs are going to be met, then we have to help them understand that there's a reason for these events. It's not just, you know, hey, the church needs to have something to do or the people need to have something to do. It's, it's for you to get to know other kids. It's for you to be able to learn from other kids. And building it up and explaining to them why it's important is really very important because that will help them to be more faithful to it, which means you may have to talk about why they don't like yeah. it, you know, why they don't want to go, and then talk through that yeah. and say, well, maybe there's another side. Maybe it's not just for you but maybe you can help someone else while you're there. 
This is what builds faith. And this is what builds the relationship and love for God in a way that uh, is really important. Um, you know, we need to help them get to those events. Um, like I said, they may not like the event, but there may be a good reason for them to be there. Now, that being said, we also need to be wise as parents and as church leaders to talk about the things that are going on. If they need to change, if something needs to be brought out about it, if it's like, well, I just feel like they're all clicks when we get together, then, then we as parents need to address that. Yeah. We don't need to just overlook that. We need to say, okay, well, let's do that. Um, Bruce and I, when the kids were younger, would get with the teens and talk to them about things that were not going on right because we wanted our ministry, our teen ministry to really be great. So as parents, don't be afraid of that. Let's talk with each other about that um, so that they can have a great time, whether it be with the youth camps, Hope Corps, you know, all these things, they cost money, but don't let that hinder you. There are ways that they can be a part of raising money or, you know, uh, finding a way to do that. And um, being with just a lot of other people, even locally or in other churches. Um, you know, the saying is once an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And these events and this time in their life is a way to help them build the, the, the faithfulness that we all want them to have, you know, throughout their whole life. I think uh, one of the things that we uh, had to intentionally do with, with, especially with the Hope Youth Corps, and I would say that there's probably the, the camps, the youth camps that we have and the Hope Youth Corps, those yearly events probably had as much impact on more kingdom kids than just about anything else. Because it, that it, it, there's a, a significant period of time that they're together. And also, uh, particularly with our Hope Youth Corps, they're developing great relationships with other kingdom kids but they're also learning to have compassion. And when you have compassion for people that are uh, not as blessed as you are, then it draws out your heart and it softens your heart in a way that very few other things will. So please don't let money be the challenge because we have people in the church that are more than happy to help you out. Be the kind of parent that says I need help if, if you don't have the money yourself and, and, and really get the advice to help uh, facilitate that. Number eight is make sure your children feel close to other spiritual adults that you trust. In Proverbs chapter uh, uh, 15, here's what he says. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. You know, um, this is something that uh, I, we look back uh, over the time of Brooke and Jason and, and uh, Ashley growing up. And I would say that this is one of the key things to, that really helped them during times of challenge because all of our children are gonna go through faith challenges. They are gonna be tempted. They're gonna be uh, tested. 
they're they're going to through going to go through ups and downs. It, 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 maybe even in your, their relationship with you, maybe they feel like they can't talk to Dad or they don't can't talk to Robin. And uh, one of the things that we did with each one of them is we identified at least one adult that we wanted them to be able to talk to if they, they ever felt like they weren't able to talk to us. And so we gave them permission. You can call Dave and uh, with Jason, he, it was uh, Dave Eskew and, and uh, it, Jason could form that relationship. Uh, with Ashley, it was a number of different sisters or brothers that she could call and it, it really made a difference because all of our kids are gonna go through this. They need to see that, hey, we want to be our best as parents and if we need to be discipled or trained on something, which we do, all of us do, right? Then we want them to feel like they could be transparent and open uh, with someone else that we had a, that kind of relationship with. And so uh, Jason had Dave Eskew, he had Henry Kramer at one time, and it was, uh, I, I'll never forget this one time when uh, Jason, was kind of slacking off in one of the uh, one of his uh, classes as subjects, and uh, he got a D on the uh, on the midterm, and uh, and Henry, I happened to share it with Henry and said, and Henry said, uh, "How about I have breakfast with uh, Jason?" And you know, I thought, okay, that sounds great. You know, the more the merrier. And so he and Jason had. A, uh, a talk, had a breakfast together and, and Henry started drawing Jason out about his grades. And then Jason confessed that he had a D and, and Henry said, uh, Jason, do you know what a D stands for? And uh, Jason said, no, he says, well, it stands for dumb and you're not dumb. You, you, you can make a better grade than that, don't you think? And he said, yes, I know I can. And so he ended up uh, getting an A the next time. Hey, Henry saying that, yeah, it was a little bit direct, but uh, hey, it worked. And it came from somebody else besides his mom and dad, which makes a, a huge amount of difference. And uh, sometimes the kids get stuck with us and, uh, and, and, our, and what we're trying to help them to do. And so they need to feel that they really can communicate with someone else. Man, um, number nine is humility. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Um, it doesn't say humility in there, but that's what humility is. This is the definition, is when you trust in God instead of yourself. And uh, the opposite of humility is pride. And that's when, you know, we're just looking out for our own thinking, our own reasoning. We're not being humble. And um, I really um, believe that this is one of the key pillars, key, real big keys uh, in parenting, that we've got a model for our children yeah. is humility. Uh, and it takes a lot of self-control to be humble because humility doesn't just come naturally. You know, our first instinct is going to be to defend ourselves or to give the reasons why. And I think 
we've got to allow God's word. James 1.20 says, you know, man's anger uh, does not make us humble. Man's anger is not in keeping with God's ways. And, and usually when we're not humble, we're mad at something. We're yeah. angry about it. And so we've got to take responsibility. We've got to step back to get humble, step back, take a breath, and think about being humble. Mm. Most of the time, I don't naturally just think, oh, we're in a deep conversation and it's really intense, so I need to be humble. But that's what I need to do. You know, and I think as parents, we've got to model that for our children so that they know what uh, true repentance looks like. Um, we need to apologize to our husband, to our children, when there are things that we realize we've done that are not right. Um, Bruce asked me one time when we were disagreeing about something, he said, why can't you just be humble? <laughs> and of course, at the time, I was like, Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, what did you just say? And, and, but when he asked that question, it made me think about being humble. And it's, what, it's really what changes our attitudes, our outlooks, our interpersonal relationships with each other is when we can be humble. Now, many times I've turned that around and said, well, why can't you be humble? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yes, we go yes. back and forth like that. But <clears throat> when we can really look at it, from our own perspective, we're gonna do more for our kids to be able to, to repent when we're wrong. And that's what we try to do with our kids. If we're wrong, we will go and apologize to them and ask them to forgive us so that they see it. Yeah. And we've had to do that many times. We don't have time to share them all. So I'm gonna stop with that. Yeah, I, I think the kids need to learn how to be humble from us and the way that we treat and interact with each other. And finally, number 10, uh, lots of encouragement. Uh, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk out of, out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's a pretty challenging verse, isn't it? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. I'm sure all of us have disobeyed that verse at some time. But it needs to be something that's a really a great conviction for all of us, is that we need to be much more positive, much more encouraging. I think for me personally, this was a really high, high calling for me because I could see immediately what the kids needed to work on and change. That wasn't a problem for me. Well, it was a problem, and Robin helped me see that, is that they, they, they needed to hear encouragement from me, uh, that I was proud of them, that I was proud of the way they handled the situation, or I was proud of them for going and cleaning up their room, or whatever it may have been, that they hear that, those words of encouragement. And I think one of the things that helped facilitate that a lot is uh, that we made an effort to spend weekly time, individual time with each of our kids. Um, a lot of times parents, I think, make a mistake of just kind of developing a relationship as a group with all their children, but not individually. And uh, individual relationships can only be developed when they're individual. And so uh, Jason and I had a special time that we would get together every week 
And it wasn't like, okay, a three or four hour block. I don't think they would, he would have uh, enjoyed that. But uh, where we had an hour or an hour and a half that we would be together, we either go to McDonald's and get an ice cream or we'd go to some other place that he enjoyed. And it really made a difference in our relationship when it was just he and I. And the same thing with Ashley and the same thing with Brooke, that they felt like they had not just this collective relationship with the family, but they really had that kind of identity and connection with each of us individually. And it was so important. And so I really want to encourage you to make time to be with your children. It doesn't have to be a long time. I guarantee you even an hour can make a difference in your child's life. So um, those are the 10 things. Uh, what we would like for you to do uh, that Marcel and I talked about was we want to break into our, uh, in, into our groups now. And I think Marcel is going to be the one that is going to uh, uh, make that happen in just a minute. But I'd like for you to talk about these two things. Number one, what are two keys that you've heard tonight that you feel like you've had the most difficulty demonstrating? So as you look over the nine keys, are there, there are a couple that stand out to you go, wow, this is really going to be, I've had a big, uh, definitely a, a challenging time demonstrating this. And then secondly, what two keys can you start immediately changing over the next seven days? So we want you to not just think about what you've had a hard time demonstrating. But we want you to go out of this time together tonight thinking, okay, what are two things that I can start changing immediately in our family so that next week you could even share about it with other people about what you, you've had? Because all of us have things that we can start on right now in the next seven days to going after so that our families can be the kind of families that glorify God. We appreciate just the time that we've had with you guys. Yeah, love you guys.